Uh-huh. Yeah, for those of you who don't, yeah, these are recorded, and you can actually get the, the uh, audio. Uh, Stacy puts it on the website uh, every week. And, I, and we have got people listening around the country that can just pull it up and, and listen to it. So, All right, well, that said, um, I went back. I was actually checking and getting into today's lesson. I went back to check kind of some, uh, some online blogs and messages and things like that because I knew what I was looking for and it's never hard to find. Um, and let me just... So here are some, here are some stuff that I found, uh, a couple of things in the chat room. Boyd K. Packer, family reunion near July 4th, 2006. It's told to me by my co-worker at my elementary school whose niece is married to Boyd K. Packer's grandson. <laughs> As President Packer was giving counsel to his family as a patriarch, he admonished them to get their storage and preparedness items. He said, the next step is to prepare to leave our homes if necessary. And I thought I would just pass that out. Okay, so this is what was out there. Okay? The goose pimple game is in high gear. Okay? Let me... Give you another one. I would like to add a story that was told by a friend. Her daughter married the son of 70 back in the Salt Lake Temple. President Hinckley stopped by to say hello, to congratulate the couple. He gave them the advice to return all their presents and buy food storage. They'll never need pans or never need dishes. They should just have wheat. This happened while my friend was there and she heard it with her own ears. And I, I love where this goes, too. Someone also related another story very similar, but it was third hand. Ah. Okay. You know, in, in the church, we kind of do this from time to time. Um, so, that said, here's the latest. Elder Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve was here to a singles conference this past week. He told them that if Mitt Romney wins the Republican nomination, the church would see persecution we've never seen before in our lifetime, and that our testimonies would be tested. He said that even the sacred temple covenants would be known to the world. They're all, yes, they already are. Anybody with Google can get the entire thing, unfortunately. Okay? Now, if this does happen, it will be in fulfillment of Scripture, so we knew it would be coming. Please see that the young folks and the family are spiritually and mentally prepared for this, so if and when it comes, we can all stand firm. Now, there is a tendency in the Goose Pimple Gang of the church to hear this and do what? Ah! Here it comes. Now, haven't we talked about before? Yeah, if he wins the nomination, we're probably going to see much more scrutiny and there's stuff coming this, this fall and it'll be a little bit more public and out there and all that. Okay, does that make sense? We know that's coming. Do we freak out? We just get ready for it. But sometimes in here we want to attach more excitement. All the brethren have to say is a couple of words at general conference on what happens to all the food storage 
outlets, retail outlets in, in all over Utah and Idaho and Arizona. Oh, everything just like everything's gone because it means it's going to happen now. I mean, it's like we're so anxious as a people to get something that's like it's tomorrow. It's you know, and wait, there's more, and it's going to be bad and tomorrow. Why do we want to do that? Oh, that's true. You're right. There, there, we could have a little bit of snow uh, tomorrow in Dallas-Fort Worth. What happens to the water at Kroger and Tom Thumb? You go in there. Some of you are new to the area. If you really want to get water, uh, don't do it the day before a snowstorm because we will never see any water ever again in our lifetimes. Get it now. 15 tornadoes and nothing happened. 15 tornadoes and we're not watching the sky again. <laughs> yeah. The problem is that this is fear-based. And we are constantly taught over time that we're supposed to be doing this on our own. But the reality is a lot of people like me struggle with being consistent about having those things in place. So, when you those so introduce things, a little bit of fear to it. Uh, I have been doing that, and then notice how they started changing with food storage. Don't go into debt to go get your Yeah, food right, food right. Don't cash out your 401k to get your food, food storage. storage. I, I think that's perfect. The, the fact that one of the things that we struggle with, and one of the reasons why we do this is because we can be fear-based. And when we're fear-based, like the brethren say, take counsel from your fear. From that, we will make fear decisions and not spirit decisions. Does that make sense? So part of what I need you to hear is that there has been a tradition, all, I think all the time in the church, to constantly uh, be fear-based and to then make knee-jerk decisions that aren't based on any kind of prudence. Now, because of that, though, I now, need, now if you get this concept... Now you understand section 45 and why 45 was given. Because this is exactly what was happening in 1831. Everybody was into, oh my gosh, it's coming immediately. It's the second coming. Prepare, we've got to do things. And they were all stirred up. And so when, when Joseph gets all the brethren together and sisterin and everybody there in Kirtland, everybody's kind of freaking out a bit. Okay? Now, what he says was, is that in 18th, there was wild speculation on the second coming, and they were having counterfeit spiritual manifestations. Every time there was a comet, a streaking star in the sky, that was another sign, it's about to happen. They were doing incredible, crazy things. And like I mentioned before, <coughs> Sister Susan Easton Black at BYU has done a good job of documented some of the nutty spiritual things that were going on in Kirtland when Joseph and everybody was there in 1831. They were having, it was more like a, uh, uh, a Pentecostal outpouring uh, on steroids. Uh, weeping, wailing, uh, one guy really was sitting at the back of the chapel and did a backflip out the back window. Uh, there were other people sitting in the aisles uh, going, 
I'm rolling my way to the promised land. I'm on my way to sacred land. You know, and they're just like, so it was just like their understanding of what the spirit was and how the spirit was supposed to work and the manifestations of things that were going on were so over the top and, and speculation that the second coming was about to occur. Um, that's why, uh, and, and they brought that with them, by the way, to, to Utah and all that, that we'd have this constant sense. And it's not all together bad because we really are looking forward to the second coming, but we can need jerk. So that's why it is that we get section 45. Now, uh, to do this, uh, as we look at uh, the first part of section 45, I want to uh, do a little bit of a, uh, let me demonstrate with something. Wendy, let me borrow you for a second, can I? Okay. You? Okay. Now, I want you to picture this for just a second. This is, this is Wendy. Okay. Um, this is your jury out here. Okay. Um, you guys need to know that Wendy has a bit of a problem. Wendy has a bit of a problem. Uh, she's addicted to spam. Not the email, the mystery meat. I can pick. I can pick on Wendy because I know where she goes. Okay. Now, now here's the problem. Uh, the other night she was caught at uh, Kroger's trying to kind of take care of her fix because she was out of spam at home. Um, and they got her on video. They got her nailed. Okay, so she's guilty. The the, the problem with spam though and Kroger is that they value their spam so much. That you could you could steal a lot of things, but if it's spam, it's like twenty years hard time. <laughs> so so she is looking at twenty years hard time, and, and if she's guilty, and we've got videos of her like sticking spam in her purse and in her pockets and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so she's she's really busted. So there's not much wiggle room. Okay, now, what would happen though if in the middle of, before you pronounce judgment, what would happen if, if suddenly I had someone like, I don't know, President Uchtdorf showed up and he, and he would walk in and he would say, uh, can I say a couple of things? And you guys would say, yes, sure, I'm President Uchtdorf. Um, <laughs> and I, I, was, I was actually joking with the, uh, with the youth the other uh, morning about the fact that I ran across the website and it says five reasons why Dieter is cooler than you. <laughs> and one of them was the fact that he has better hair. <laughs> That's right. And a perpetual tan. And he has the ability to pronounce everybody's last names phonetically right. You know, Enrico Gonzalez. And he can do it. And Dieter is just cooler name than, you know, something else. Okay, so let's say, and he's an apostle, and he's a member of the First Presidency. What would happen if right before we pronounced, and he was an airline pilot, exactly. What would happen if just before you guys pronounced sentence on her, President Uchtdorf came in and said, uh, can I have a word? Uh, he said, 
I know she did what she did. She's guilty. There's no way to defend it. But here's what I'd like you to do. Rather than pass judgment, what I'd like you to do is let her go. Not because she deserves it. She deserves to go to prison. But I want you to do it because of my works and because you love me. So do it based on my works, not hers. Would that be okay? Yes. Yeah, it would. <laughs> because I know she deserved it and she should go, but um, I just need you to be able to do that because you love me. Would that be okay? I'd be so glad that she took all the spam. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. Yeah, I got that. Okay, now, in return for that, if you guys said, okay, that's fine. Then my next conversation would be with Wendy, and I would say, I need you to know a couple of things. Number one, I love you. Number two, I need you to do a couple of things. One, don't steal spam. <laughs> okay. And, and, and number three, in order to pay me back for what I just did, I want you to be kind. I just want you to love. Could you do that? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Now, you see where we're going with this? Turn to section 45. Verse 3. Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father who is pleading your cause before him. Now, before we do this, I have to confess that I... I've, I've thought both ways on this. I don't know if this is completely symbolic or if we're actually watching part of a, an ordinance that, that only uh, a Messiah can do. I don't know if this is, we're actually listening to part of what will happen in the future as part of a future ordinance or if we just need to understand the concept. I'd almost like to believe that, that this may be part of that because it seems to be so specific in my mind. Listen to Him who is the advocate with the Father who is pleading your cause before Him, saying, Father, behold the sufferings and death of Him who did no sin, in whom Thou was well pleased. Now, picture as He's doing that, He has the Father in front of Him and justice and the requirements of all of that, and we are standing behind Him. Guilty. And whatever our resurrected bodies, however light our resurrected bodies can put together, this isn't the resurrection, here we are, we stand accused, only the clean get to enter the kingdom of heaven, here we are. And he stands in the breach between. Behold the blood of the Son which was shed, the blood of him who thou gavest, that thyself may be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these, my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have eternal, everlasting life. <coughs> what a moment. Now again, he's asking that this occur based on whose merits? His, not ours. He's doing it based on whose works? His, not ours. He's doing it based on whose worthiness? His, not ours. Ours. That's what this is. So for all of those times when we're going to want to say, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really beat myself down for not being perfect or I haven't done enough or I'm just... What are we trying to do? We're trying to get into heaven based on our works and it will never happen because we have an advocate who stands in the breach and says, spare these, my brethren, based on my works and my relationship and my sacrifice. Not theirs. Because we're busted. We're so, we're, we're, we're so deserving of what? Hell. Despite everything we've done because we've sinned, we deserve nothing less than that. Now, here's, here's where we kind of get caught up. And this is why I wanted to do this with Wendy. What is it that he's asking from us in, in return for what he's just provided? Love. And he wants us to love and serve and, and keep his commandments, knowing that we're going to kind of do the best we can. But more especially, he's asking that we love and serve and be kind. Why do we struggle with this in the church? President Hall and I were talking about this on Saturday. That sometimes we just watch people struggle so much in trying to understand this. Why do we struggle in the church? Because we're taught to try our best and to prepare and to, yeah. you know, we're not taught to just believe and then you're saved. Because that's that's the other guys, right? Yeah. It's the other guys that just believe, and in fact, we kind of poo-poo that a little bit. That well, we don't believe in this like instant salvation thing. To just do an off, do a uh, altar call and come down, and now everything is. I'm now better. Saved. In a sense, what we're doing is saying we have faith in 
our ability to like do enough and then we beat ourselves up, as opposed to I have faith in Him that says, He really is just saying, forgive yourself, move on and love those around you. Let me lift you up. Let me take it from there. Yeah, yes. Except that he's going to have some things he's going to require from us, and the result makes us stronger and more powerful. Yeah. But we still have to do our part. Right. What is our part? To love. Love. Thank you. If you and love. If you love who? Christ. Christ. If you love me, then what comes as a natural extension of loving him? Keep my commandments. That's why I say, it, this is not complicated. This is, if I, if, if, if I have faith that I have an advocate and a mediator, I, and that he lo- did it because he loves me, therefore I will love him. And if I love him, then other things become simple. I, I listened to kid after kid in, in testimony meeting uh, on Saturday evening going, uh, I really didn't want to come, you know, I was like, I had other things I really wanted to be doing, like, you know, Xbox. <laughs> and then, because we're going to like sit in church meetings and do service, and the dance was cool, but I didn't really want to come, and, and, then, and then at the end of it, they're going, this was really cool. <laughs> and, and I, uh, and I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> But we had a couple of really big old guys, you know, and it's like, I want a bear butt. You know, and it's like they were just suddenly getting in touch with what was there, and they were getting it. And you just, you know, and, and then some of us adults in the back are going, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's just like they're being, they're sensing that that's where it goes is to love. And, when it, and, and how easy is it to go to church meetings and serve and, and do our own teaching and everything that we love? And it's not even a burden. It's when we're struggling on the other side that it's a burden if it's a, something on the checklist. In, in, the, in the singles singles group uh, that I get, it's my blessing to work with in, in this area. Uh, on the night that the tornadoes came, uh, we didn't even get to nine o'clock. With the tornadoes in some cases still happening, there were already uh, Facebook messages coming through to me. They were going, "We're on our way down there tomorrow. Anybody want to come with us?" Anybody got stuff, water, food? We're on our way, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, meet here, we're gone. We're on our way down to Lancaster for the Magnificent. That's, that's kind of what the Lord was trying to prepare these saints for. Have that kind of love and obedience and ordinances and everything just happens beautifully. Now, Along with that, let me shift gears just a little bit because I want to 
But by the way, any, any final comments on that? I don't want to... I, I, obviously, I could go all day on, on this topic. You know, this one of my favorites. But. Okay, that's it. Let, let, let me today then, also, next step, answer a question that is always asked in the church, and you guys will walk out of today with an answer to this question. You'll have your elders, you ready? You're going to have an immediate answer for the question. When is the second coming coming? <laughs> when will the second coming be here? Do you know there's an answer? It's a very specific answer. Okay, now. Look at verse 6. Hearken, O ye people of my church, and ye elders, listen together. And remember, this was one of their big deals, right? Is what they wanted to know. When is the second coming going to occur? Ye elders, listen together and hear my voice while it is called what? Today. Alright, awesome. Okay, now. I want you to flip over to DNC 64. And look at, look at verses 23 and 24. Okay? Somebody want to read that one? Got it? Okay. Yeah? 23. Okay, stop for a second. So where are we at at this moment? Today. And it says, and it, is, it will be today until... Until the coming of the Son of Man, right? Okay, keep going. And verily it is a day of sacrifice and a day for the tithing of my people. Okay. For he that is tithed shall not be burned at his coming. For after today comes the burning. This is speaking after the manner of the Lord. For verily I say... Now, now listen close. Here comes the answer to when is the second coming. Tomorrow... There it is. Tomorrow. <laughs> okay. All the proud and they that do wickedly shall be as stubble, and I will burn them up. For I am the Lord of hosts, and I will not spare any that remain in battle. Oh, very simple, right? So, so the answer, when somebody wants to know, when is the second coming coming? It's coming tomorrow. As long as he's not here, it's today. When he comes, it will be tomorrow. Now you know. Every time anybody asks, just remind them. Okay, when's he coming? Tomorrow. Do you think those saints at that time understood that? Not for a while. No. Uh, I know that, and I've, I've told the story that uh, my, uh, my pioneer grandfather uh, worked on the uh, uh, Nauvoo Temple. And he was uh, and he was in the quarry one afternoon, uh, 1845. He's working in the quarry at lunchtime, there's only a couple of brethren, and he said that Brigham Young came up and kind of looked into the quarry, and these guys were working, and he goes, how we doing? Doing good. Little Brigham, good, good, good. He says, here's, what's, here's what needs to happen. He says, Keep, keep working, finish the temple, we're going to go into the west, but one day we'll come back here to the center state, don't worry about it. And from that, my pioneer grandfather said, 
that he believed that he would, they would go back to Missouri in his lifetime. And when he finally died, well, just before he died in, in 1901 in Rexburg, Idaho, he writes in his journal, I guess it won't be in my lifetime. Because he could see that life was growing. He, he lived all of his life waiting for that day that they were going to get the call to go back to Missouri, uh, hoping to that, clinging to that. Okay? So I think there's, there's been that, that sense all along. And, and actually the reality of that is, uh, for him, there was a second coming. It was, when did he finally get to see the coming of the Lord? In 1901. Okay? And for all these, everybody who was always getting ready, thinking that it would be in their lifetime that they would see it come to the earth, it did happen in their lifetime. We're going to talk about that because they're going to see it in their flesh. Okay? All right. Questions on that so far? Well, I'm not stepping on my microphone. All right. So, before we can understand the things that are coming in terms of the second coming, we have to understand, first of all, the nature of God. I think that's as beautiful the way he does this in section 45. Before we get into it, before I give you any details about what's about to occur, I just need you to understand who God is. And he's the advocate, and he loves you, and he's powerful, and he can do all of this. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Oh, I forgot to read this. This is... We need to read this. This is good. Okay, let me go back to the idea that he is the advocate. A final quote from uh, Robert Millett, who probably writes as well on this as anybody at BYU. Imagine that you've been asked to serve as a defense attorney for a man who had been arrested for robbing a local food store. You, you thought I was just kind of being, you know, completely original. You stand and speak with much confidence. Judge, jury, I demand that you set this man free. The judge answers on what grounds? You reply because of my excellent reputation as attorney, because of my marvelous record of service. Uh, one can imagine how the judge and jury would respond. You'd be laughed out of the courtroom. Yet, uh, note in modern revelation, the Savior pleads our case, how he mediates between us and, and the Eternal Father. What a strange defense. What an unusual manner of defending us. The Lord here pleads our case based on his merits. We are saved through his works, his mercy, his grace. And what does he require? Therefore, Father, spare these thy brethren that believe on me. So now if you want a good quote to kind of back up what we've talked about, it'll, it'll be here in the PowerPoint. Okay, now. Let's look... If we, go, if we go back now, there, there are some other, as we, get, as we start taking a look at what's coming uh, towards us. There's an interesting phrase. Let's start with verse uh, 11. Wherefore, oh look at, look at uh, 10. I, I will reason as with men in days of old, and I will show unto you my strong reasoning. He's about to say, let me give you some details about the second coming, and I will do it the way that I always explain it to people throughout history. Okay? For instance, wherefore hearken you people, and show unto you that even my wisdom, the wisdom of him who ye say is the God of Enoch. 
Now, would Enoch have some relevance on this? Why Enoch? Why would he choose Enoch? Elder White, why Enoch? He's about to talk about the second coming. He's about to talk about Zion, right? You know where we're going? As part of. So Enoch actually. The, the, the reason for using Enoch is it has two pieces, right? One is, here was a group of people that were wicked, became righteous to the point that they were caught up, and became Zion. I'm about to tell you about Zion. On the other hand, they are also a group of people that will be part of the events of the second coming. So, and, and why all of this? Because Joseph's been translating... Uh, and he's the book of Moses has been he's been he's actually in the middle of writing the book of Moses. He's being revealed to him. All the stuff about Enoch. Okay? Alright. Who were separated from the earth and who received unto myself a city reserved until a day of righteousness shall come, which was sought for by all holy men, and they found it not because of wickedness and abominations. Um, now Here's the one that is universal of all these people. All the prophets throughout history have always talked about and used this phrase. And they had to confess, they had to admit, before they could look at the second coming, they had to admit what? Verse 13. That they were strangers, strangers and... It's kind of odd, isn't it? Strangers and pilgrims. What is that about? Why would we have to admit that we are strangers and pilgrims? And let me just, and I put that in there so you can see it. What's a stranger? A resident alien. I'm not from, you're not from these parts, are you? You always know somebody who's not from Texas because they're going to say, I'm going to drive down to Lancaster. Ah, oh, you're not from these parts, are you? That would be Lancaster, yes. So a, a stranger is a resident alien, and a pilgrim is... Yeah, this is somebody that's just passing through. Somebody right off the top of your head knows your music, I want you to think of the song, Oh My Father, and I want you to start with verse 2. Somebody, can somebody do that? No, that's 4. That's verse 4. What's verse 2? For, for a wise and glorious purpose that was placed me here on earth and withheld the recollection of my former friends and birth. Yet, oft times a secret something whispers, you're a stranger here. And I felt, I sensed, I didn't know how to necessarily describe it, I sensed that I had wandered from a more exalted sphere. What's the name of that? Oh my God. 
we ask again, in what sense are we strangers and pilgrims? This is not our yet. And in fact, you're going to see it. Uh, I, I marked it. Somebody want to flip over to Alma 13.23, if you haven't already? I just want you to see how other prophets have approached this. So we got it, Alma 13.23. This, by the way, and Alma is another one of these prophets who really, really wanted his people to become Zion. And if you will read, we talked about it last year, if you read Alma 5, you, you can watch a prophet desperately wanting his people to become a Zion people and join Enoch. And he's gonna, because he invokes Enoch in that sense. Okay? This is what he, and Melchizedek, it's what he wanted. And he didn't get to have it. Okay? So Alma 13, 23 says, And there may be no to us in plain terms that we may understand that we cannot bear and this because of our being wanderers in a strange land. Therefore, we are thus highly favored. For we have these glad tidings declared unto us in all parts of our land. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I've always looked at this and went, Strangers? How long have they been on this continent? 600 years, or 500 years at this point. And they're strangers, and, and this is their promised land. How could they be strangers in a strange land when they've been here 600 years? It's because they are. Like us. They are strangers. This is not our home. This world is not our home. Until it is celestialized. At the moment, uh, as... As uh, C.S. Lewis put it so well, he says, I want you to picture that we have been dropped behind enemy lines. And we're a long ways from friendly forces. And we're having to make our way quietly through, through the enemy-occupied territory to make it safely to the other side. That's who we are. We are strangers. And pilgrims. Yeah. Yeah, and if we're going to try and do it ourselves, as opposed to, because, and, he, and he talks about the Lord being, he says, and imagine this, he's writing World War II. He says, imagine while you're making your way through enemy-occupied territory, that you're giving a wireless, a radio, and you have contact with, with the, the friendly forces that are out there that can give you directions about how to handle it, how to get through this, what to do next, where to go, what to do. We are strangers and pilgrims. Okay? Does that make sense? The, 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 I just love the way, the, the way that this is done. Okay, now. Now, this next part could be just a little bit... Um, and as we look at the rest of this, he's now about to give us some, some directions about what's going to happen in the, in the future. But the thing that makes this sometimes a little bit hard to understand is he's actually going to talk about three separate time periods. And if you don't know what time period you're looking at, you're not going to know what it is that he's referring to. So I've tried to break it down a little bit. Uh, looking at verse 18. 
Now, from an important time standpoint, uh, this, he's going to speak these words in about 33, 34 A.D. Anybody know when, when uh, this, this uh, prophecy, you behold this temple which is in Jerusalem, which you call the house of the Lord, and your, even your enemies say this house will never fall. But verily I say unto you <coughs> that desolation shall come upon this generation as a thief in the night, and this people shall be destroyed and scattered. And this temple which ye see shall be thrown down, and there shall not be one left stone upon another. And it shall not come to pass that this generation of Jews shall not pass away until every desolation I've told you shall come to pass. Now, what's going on here? By the way, New Testament history, what's happening? Instruction. This is instruction from the Lord to his apostles. And where are they? We think they're up on the Mount of Olives. They had, he, he, remember? And this is actually going to be, we're going to talk, talk about this in a sec. This is actually, you can find this in, in Matthew 24. Remember that he has that discussion. He tells them in the temple. Everybody thinks that's blasphemous. Remember then, then they go down to the Valley of Kidron, back up Mount of Olives. And then the disciples kind of pull him aside and go, <coughs> Master, now that we're away from everybody else, when shall these things be? What? When? Wow, that's an amazing prophecy. When? And that gives us Matthew 23. This is about 33, 34 AD. When was the destruction of Jerusalem? Anybody know? 70 AD. 70 AD. Yep. And the rebellion starts about 66 AD. Masada falls about seven, I think. Okay, and so, and, and we know that that desolation was so bad that the people, I was reading some things about it, it couldn't be very long before you just kind of get sick to your stomach about how incredibly bad that was because the people were, uh, not only were they being crucified daily, but they weren't being allowed to leave, so they were, they were starving uh, in the streets. Uh, those that weren't, being crucified and being starved because the army was so angry about what was going on over at Masada and this rebellion coming up and everything. And it's one of the reasons why they burned the city to the ground was the fact that there were so many bodies there that they needed to burn everything to take care of the stench and the disease. I mean, it's just an unbelievable sin. And this is called in the scriptures the abomination of Desolation. And it's predicted to happen three times. And it did. And it's happened twice. It'll happen the third time. That's part of what's coming. Okay? But here they are on the side of the Mount of Olives. The Lord's going to say, All right, let me tell you when this is going to be. I'll give you the information on that. And here's one of these. And, you, and it's going to happen in this generation. How far away? Some 33 years. It, it will start. Okay? Now. And this was the second mm -hmm. abomination of destruction? Yeah, the first was on the Babylonians, and then we get uh, and then we get what, what the Romans did, and then number three will be just as Armageddon is going on and, and all that funness happening there. Okay? 
All right, so he's going to say, here's, so every desolation is going to occur. Um, now, so you're going to be scattered. Uh, 24, you're going to be, a remnant will, will be scattered among all nations. And that is who? Scattered to the Jews, right? In, in Jewish language, this is called the dysphoria. They have been dispersed. And, and uh, Passover was this last weekend. One of the things, they always end Passover. Passover starts with, and, and most, most uh, ones that they use, it's going to start with, why is this night different than any other night? You know, the youngest always does it. You know, and they're going to let in Elijah and all that stuff. Okay? And then it always ends with this promise, which is what? Next year. In Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. Hoping that they will come back. Okay. Um, now, actually, hold on. I've got I've got enough time to do this. Want to learn a little song that, that you can sing in uh, in uh, family meeting? Okay. Let, let, let me give you the. Uh, let me give you the uh, English words, then I'll give you the Hebrew words, and then I'll, I'll teach you this song real quick, the children's song. It says, uh, uh, In Jerusalem forever will live, uh, or in Judah forever will live, and in Jerusalem for generation after generation. In, in, in uh, Judah forever will live, and in Jerusalem for generation upon generation. In Hebrew it says, Yahudah, Le'alem, Teshev, Okay? I know. But it's, it's a children's song. <laughs> and it goes like this. Ready? Yahudah le'olam teshev Yahudah le'olam teshev Yerushalayim l'tor v'tor Yerushalayim l'tor v'tor Okay? You just repeat those those high fives, okay? Yahudah le'olam teshev. Let's see, try that one. Yahudah le'olam teshev. Okay, that's nice. Again, Yahudah le'olam teshev. Again, Yahudah le'olam teshev. Here's the next part. Yerushalayim l'tor v'tor.
generations upon generations. But, but it's based on the idea next year in Jerusalem. And they, they want to make Eliah. Eliah is to return. And that's part of what this is saying. Uh, they will be scattered among the nations. 25. Now, but they shall be gathered again and they shall remain scattered until when? The times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. Yeah. I want the song. Um, I, I was Jewish. Yes. Was, well, you still uh, are, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay, well, thank you. Did that you all right then? And um, that song was written um, before Israel was a state. Yes. And when Israel became a state, that's, they were very happy about that. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, and I remember, you know, he's, he says it's written before uh, Israel was a state. I remember the picture that during the 1967 war of these battle-hardened soldiers that finally break through um, to the old city, to the west wall, to the way that they broke down. So it's like, we're here. We finally, we finally reclaimed this. We are coming back. Uh, and that, that's kind of the idea. Um, they shall be gathered again, and they shall remain, or they shall be scattered. They'll be gathered again. They shall be scattered until the times of the Gentiles. Okay. Now, I think I've mentioned before that uh, uh, Prime Minister Sharon, before his uh, into a coma, said that uh, Israel had passed an important moment in her history. This is just a, this is just a few years ago. He said, "We now have more Jews." in Israel than are outside of Israel. They are coming home. Okay? So now we're going to get the times of the Gentiles. Now, they shall be gathered again. Now look at some of these things. 26. What jumps out at you as you look at 26, 27, and 28? Wars. Rumors of wars. What else? Hearts fail. Hearts fail. We're talking about being led by fear. I think that's part of it. You see it? This looks familiar. We're watching this occur. Um, and the love of men shall wax cold. And iniquity abound. Europe has basically become secular. Are they not? The kind of what was the cradle of Christianity? Paul got Christianity out of the Holy Land and got it established so that when the Holy Land fell, Christianity would have a place to be. In essence, Europe became the cradle and the protector of Christianity after all of that stuff was lost there. And what was the cradle of Christianity is now gone secular. What does that mean, gone secular? It means that uh, they are, the, the Pope is actually kind of speaking about this. It's like, if we're going to put it together, European Union, don't we need religion? And basically the, the countries of Europe are saying, no, we don't need religion. We're now scientific. We're now secular. And we're going to try and downplay the role of religion in our lives more and more. Yeah. Um, did you describe the abomination of So are we going to be staying here and now to that idea for terrible things happening in this 
You're jumping two steps down the road. She wants to know. Hang on. Hang on to that. Because that, that's part of what he's about to... He's, he's given, that's what I say. There are three time frames that he's given us. Okay? All right. So times of the Gentiles. And... And this is not much comfort based on what you were just saying. When the times of the Gentiles has come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my, of my gospel. What is that light in the, in the dark, darkness? It's the church. It's the church. It's the gospel. It's been restored. It's being brought back. Now, here's the one that is sometimes been misunderstand on this, and let me, and I don't know that I understand all the layers of this, but let me just, because there was some confusion amongst the saints. In that generation that the light comes forth, shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, on one side, the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled until the Savior comes again, right? But, he's saying that in that generation, when the light, in verse 28, the light's going to come forth and they get the gospel, and they receive it not, and they turn their hearts from me, the precepts of men. In that generation, the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled, and there shall be men standing in that generation that will see an overflowing scourge, for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. Okay, now, this is, why, this is why we're trying to kind of lay this out, because I need you to see what this is. It becomes really important. Because I've seen speculation on the web, and I think, what is the desolation? What is that scourge? What is that sickness that's going to cover the land? What's that going to be? Is it AIDS? And is it, you know, whatever? Could it be an influenza? And I guess it could be. But specifically, let's go back. What do we know about the last time that there was going to be a desolating scourge? What was that? What happened in Jerusalem? It was destroyed. It was an army. And because of that, there, there was all kind of that. And, it, and that was the last one, right? Okay, now, in that generation, so, so when is the church established? Was it? 1830. And in, that's when the gospel light begins to come forth. Okay? Cool. In that generation, now the light of the Gentiles has come, and in that generation there will be a desolating scourge on the land. And there have been other desolating scourges. What was the first? What were the other scourges? War. War. Yeah. And, and all of that horrible stuff that went with that. In this generation... How far, how far away is the Civil War at this point? Not far. This is 1830. When was the... 1864. Gosh, 30 years. Isn't that amazing? 33. Gettysburg and everything will have is 18, 1864. That desolating scourge was in that generation, and it was exactly what it has always been, and that was... The war. And, and the, these saints were then going to gather. And that's what he's going to, that's what he's going to talk about here. Um, well, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. 
Okay, so the saint, he's going to have the saints gathered. He's been talking about it several times in some of the other sections. We won't take time to go back to it. But he's going to say to them, get you out of the eastern countries, meaning the eastern states, because where do you need to go? West. You need to go west. Why? Because the desolating scourge is coming. Uh, and No, it wasn't. Um, 63. Ye hear of wars in foreign lands, but behold, I say unto you, they are nigh even at your doors. And not many years hence shall ye hear of wars in your own lands. Therefore, gather ye out of the eastern lands. Assemble yourselves together, ye elders. Go into the western countries. Call upon the inhabitants to repent. And insomuch as they do repent... Build up the churches unto me. Now, why was the church driven out of Missouri and out of Nauvoo? To save them. To save them. Right here, we spend a little time in Missouri. How did, how did the area around independence? Do during the Civil War. It's pretty rough. Pretty they, rough. They said that the rivers ran red blood. Yeah. So can you imagine if the saints had been sitting there trying to establish Zion around independence while the desolating scourge was coming, the Civil War was coming down on them? Even if we'd been in, in Nauvoo, uh, same problem. They had to get out of the way so that the Lord could take over because the desolating scourge was coming and He said it was coming. That's the other reason we have. Yeah. Is this the same uh, well the prophecy that about the Constitution hanging by a thread? Wouldn't this have been that time? One of these days she's asking about the, the prophecy of the Constitution hanging by a thread. We probably need to take some time, not today. There's <laughs> a longer discussion uh, about how much of a prophecy it really is. Uh, and yeah, what, what I know not possibly, it's an yeah, but, but, but or that maybe it's happened several times, and this certainly was probably one of them. Yeah. Okay. So I just want you to see that what you're watching is you're watching the time frame of uh, the same. You're talking about Jerusalem falling. You're talking about the time when the Lord will come back, and then you're talking about the time for these current saints. See, you're also going to see. Man drawn cold, desolated scourge. Because of that, he's going to tell us to do what he's always told the saints to do. Get out. There's a moment we're in the world. There's a moment he says, get out. Go. Gather. Come together. And when it begins to be intolerable for us, as sojourners and pilgrims, the Lord will again gather us. And I don't know how he'll do that. Whether we just say gather to our state, to a state, of Zion, we have three states. We have eight states of Zion in this area. Eight tent poles where we gather under the tents, and you can gather us safely. Whether that will be enough, or whether we'll have to be a physical gathering, I don't know. But I know that the Lord always tells us, with some years to prepare, go out now. Don't just put your food stores together. Move, leave, go, gather, leave New York, uh, get out, get to Missouri, get to Nauvoo, get to Salt Lake. 
Send out missionaries. Don't just in the early days that the missionaries were out baptizing, then what would they say? Move! Go to Utah. Well, we're not getting that anymore because we got states of Zion everywhere. Okay? Ooh, ten minutes. Okay. Um, there is in here a couple of moments so that I don't I don't want to pass up. Um, and I know I'm doing it a bit out of order. But it's this one. Verse 48. Because now, now we're going to go back in time to the Savior talking to the uh, disciples. Yeah. We're aware that there's an Armageddon coming, but we're also aware that there will be an Adam on 
Then the Lord, at this moment, remember what's going to happen. The armies will descend on Jerusalem and the noose closes and the noose closes. And, and the desolation is going on and at least some of, some of the people have been able to slip up. Uh, you, you, know the, the valley, you know the valley of uh, Armageddon is? The valley of uh, Medigo? Megiddo? It's up. It's up by uh, the, the north, right by Lebanon, to up there where Elijah was, and uh, and all that. So it's way up there. So at least if there's going to be a battle there, and and by the way, on top of that mountaintop, there is a very large military installation that Israel has up there. Okay, so we know at least part of of the Jewish people will gather up there. There'll be a battle there. Uh, then we know that the rest then will congregate in Jerusalem as they have always done in generation after generation. And the noose will close and the, and the city is being destroyed and they're being attacked on all sides and it's like two-thirds of the city is gone and we have the prophets preaching in the street and now they're killed and their bodies are laying in the street. And we get all of this moment and now is the final moment of world... Um, Triumph to finally wipe Israel off the map. Finally. And just before that's happening, there has been a meeting in at Adam and now is the moment. The people are backed up. Then he says, I will step foot upon this mount, meaning the Mount of Olives, and it will split. It was where he left from. It is where he'll come to. And this time, instead of other places he's coming, he doesn't touch the ground. He's always in the air. He's still not completely part of this world, whether it was a Kirtland or whatever. This time, in this set, he steps foot on the ground. And the earth will do what it, it's going to do in its celestial state. When a celestial being steps on it, it's going to do what? Split. And the Mount of Olives will split. I will step foot on the mount. It shall cleave in twain. The earth shall tremble, I'll bet, and, and reel to and fro, and the heavens shall shake. <coughs> By the way, I also find it fascinating. Have you been to Israel? No. Okay. Anybody been to Israel? What's on the Mount of Olives? Yeah. What's all over the Mount of Olives? And? Cemeteries. Yeah, the place is full of cemeteries. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. If, in fact, if, if you ever watch uh, the movie Schindler's List, the very last scene when they're putting the rocks, that's on the Mount of Olives. Because Schindler was buried there. Okay? Now, but he's going to step on the mount, it, it cleaves twain, they pour through there, now they're saved, our Messiah has come. They're through that to the other side, and then we get the moment, right? Now is the moment. 51. Then shall the Jews look upon me and say, The Messiah is here. Wait a minute. What are those wounds? In your hands and in your feet. Then shall they know I am the Lord, for I will say unto them, These wounds are the wounds with which I was wounded. Where? In the house of my friends. 
then it says they shall mourn. I, I am he who was lifted up, I am Jesus that was crucified, I am the Son of God. And then they shall weep because of their iniquities, they shall lament because their ancestors persecuted the king. And it says that they will be in mourning for uh, uh, three days, three years, three something, long time. And that's when the fullness of the Gentiles is complete. It's when he has come to his people. And then at that moment shall the heathen nations be redeemed. And they that knew no law shall have part of the first resurrection and it shall be tolerable for them. How can, how can they that knew no law take place in the first resurrection? They will have been taught in the spirit world. How many of them will have had their endowments done? A lot who did them. Yeah. Isn't that cool? We hoisted them on our shoulders and we provided these, these ordinances. And then in, in closing, let me just say this. 56. And at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. We won't take time to go back and read the parable of the ten virgins. But what uh, President Oaks calls the uh, terrible math. Thank you. The terrible math. Half make it, half are not prepared. And he says, so who are the, who are the five wise virgins? They that are wise and They've done an, an interesting thing. They have received the truth, and because they received the truth, not just heard the gospel, not just joined the church, because the parable of the ten virgins is about the church. There are those that know that he's coming, they saw it. There are those that took the truth, heard the truth, accepted the church, got baptized, and then he said, there's a peculiar thing that separates the wise from the foolish. And it is the wise that take the Holy Spirit for their guide. That's the key. I don't know what's coming. And I don't know where we're supposed to gather to. But if we are the wise virgins and we have taken the Holy Spirit for our guide, we'll know where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to get. We won't do it in fear. We won't do it as a knee-jerk reaction. We'll do it in love and peace and determination. And we will gather. And we will be uh, and and we will say. I would imagine there will be some of the, the church that will lose their lives because of the <clears throat> world things going on around them. But by and large. You will be there, and all we have to do is remember that the Holy Spirit is our I bear in my testimony that there are marvelous events that are coming. Shouldn't fill us with fear, they should fill us with hope. 
Because if we're listening to the Spirit, we know where we're supposed to be, and the Lord will watch out for us. And I hear you that in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't, did she call me? Okay, thanks.